Nancy Yerald, and this is Nancy's Psychic View on the High Road to Humanity. And I have a wonderful gentleman here today. John Campbell is here joining us from Spain. And welcome to High Road to Humanity, John. Thank you very much, Nancy. I mean, you're always excited. America, generally, the whole of America has been one of my favorite places. And uh, I love working with Americans because... I have a big energy and America makes things big and everything. So I've always, I've worked most of my working life before I started on my own was with American companies and I loved it. So that's awesome. love you all. Yeah, you've got a really cool background. Um, You guys, let me tell you who John is. He's a master mariner and a former ship's captain. This is really cool. He spent over 30 years in the petrochemical industry until the stress of his life brought him to his knees in 1997 when his journey of awakening began. Now, he gave up all his business practices and began studying the human mind. This is so cool. He qualified as a hypnotherapist and an NLP practitioner, and he undertook numerous trainings in his search for the meaning to life. After many years of studying very holistic and alternative healing modalities and undergoing intense healing of his own, he came across A Course in Miracles. And you know, a lot of people um, resonate with A Course in Miracles, but you went on and you found uh, two years later, you read The Disappearance of the Universe by Gary Renard. And this book explained in great detail what A Course in Miracles was truly trying to teach, he says, and it convinced him to begin studying the metaphysical masterpiece masterpiece in earnest. And um, John is a former co-owner and director and vice chairman of the Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club. Is that proper? Yeah, yeah. They're in the yeah. Premier League in England. Yeah, big yeah okay. And you were, you're a world traveler. You were born in India. You've lived in South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, Canada, Australia, Malaysia, Ireland, and Spain. I love it. And now you live in Spain with your wife, Dr. Ann Campbell, and she's a PhD. She's an author as well. That's amazing. Correct. 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 Yeah. Those who shall meet will meet, as the course says. <laughs> That's how it goes. Well, we're going to talk about relationships, you guys, today. And he's written a really cool book, Miracle Relationships. But before we get into it, you know, I was talking to John before the show and I said, you know, I really want to see what's happening as far as Israel and Palestine. You know, there's so much unrest right now in the Middle East. And I stand with Israel and I stand with the people who are just trying to have peace. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a sad situation. This has been going on since the beginning of time, um, as far as the Israeli people being uh, persecuted. And then, of course, you have to pray for the people who are in Palestine, who are being, you know, their lives are disrupted and they have to move. So it's a real conflict. But on a lighter note, John said, what do you think about Megan and Harry? <laughs> so I want to hear what's going on with Megan and Harry. I know nothing. Tell, tell us. Tell us. Well, well, well you know, um, Nancy, it's wonderful. And I, I love to be on the show. And I love to have these questions, you know, because I, I'm 77 now. And oh, wow. I always joke, uh, Annie, and I be, Annie and I have been together 10 years. And I said it took me till I was 67 before I acknowledged I was now mature enough and understanding enough to have an intimate relationship. So uh, okay. I want to first get off the bat and say I haven't always haven't always had these insights. But and I, nothing is about criticizing or judging or blaming. But it's very fascinating how my experience of people's intimate relationships seem to take pretty much. There's always exceptions, but generally speaking, they take the same course. 
And when I look at Harry and Meghan, you know, I, I look upon them with great love and compassion and understanding. And and what I see happening is this repeated patterns that happen in generations, you know, which I, we could talk a little bit about yeah. later. And I'll come on to that. Right. Um, but as you as you started with the situation in the world at the moment, I totally understand that. And I was really pleased to hear we have to pray for the, the, the Israelis and we have to also pray for the Palestinians. Right. And what life has taught to me that the world will never know peace until everyone in the world finds oh. uh, because the hold out, hold on. John, you froze. John, you froze until everyone finds what? Oh, maybe, maybe I wasn't supposed. Maybe I wasn't supposed to say it. But anyway, no, I'll was say it, it anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, go no, ahead. What say it I again. said was the world. The world will never find peace until the people of the world find their own inner peace. Inner peace, right, exactly. And you know, I'm going to stop you real quick. Um, it took me, and you know, I could relate to this book really, truly, because I was, gosh, I would say late 50s before I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm having the same relationship over and over, but with different people because I haven't worked on myself. <laughs> That's it. It's like, you it. That's it's you like Eureka. <laughs> But what do you think's happening with Harry and Meghan? You yeah. think that's something that's going from Diana and Prince Charles because they had difficulty? What do you think? It's hereditary or what are you thinking? Well, if I may jump forward a bit on my own journey, you know, yes. I, I came across one of the most impactful pieces of work I did. I, you know, when I when I changed my, my life around, I hit rock bottom, I quit drinking and I ended into a rehab myself. Nobody pushed me. I went Really, I was ready. And yeah. I couldn't get enough. As soon as I woke up and I got clear-headed, and I couldn't get enough of this stuff. And I was determined to heal. You know, yeah. in the big book of AA, it says you need to undo the wreckage of your past completely. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And he also said the drinking was not the problem. It was only the symptom of a far deeper problem. And when I read that, I said, okay, I'm ready. I want to get to the deeper problem. I'm not interested in just sorting the symptom. And I came across a course called the Hoffman Process. You have it in America. In fact, it's all over the world now. Okay. And the basis of the Hoffman Process was it was brought into the world by an American psychic called uh, Bob Hoffman. He was a tailor. He wasn't a psychologist or anything, but he channeled this. Okay. And he he asked a question because he was a tailor, so he had people coming into him from all walks of life, you know, wanting suits and dresses and all this. Right. And he asked the question, why are these people all so unfulfilled? He asked spirit, you know. Mm -hmm. And he received a message, and it said, because at an unconscious level, and that's the thing I want to really, really emphasize, this is unconscious. At an unconscious level, they are still seeking the approval and love of their parents. Right. And they do it by one of two ways. They either repeat the negative patterns of their parents right. or they'll rebel and say, I ain't going to do that like you did. Yes. And go against it. Right. And that's but what in you both cases, but in yeah, yeah. But in both cases, they're still operating their lives unconsciously looking, saying, Hey mommy, hey daddy, look. I'm just like you now, or I'm just the opposite to you. Now, will you love me? And when I realized that, I looked at my own life. I thought, oh, my God, that is so true. And that's what I healed during that course. 
And then I started to see how that played out. And it and the basis of it, I had to come to a total, total forgiveness, understanding, and love of both of my parents and make them equal. Well, you see, I'd made a yeah. split within me. Karen, you ask me any questions. Sorry. Yeah, no, I want well, I want to stop it really quick because I want to tell the audience because they haven't read the book yet. <laughs> and I just want to ah, okay. it's really it's really good, you guys, by the way. And it's short and it's sweet and it's to the point. He's really, really good. But I want to mention that um your mom was an alcoholic. And so you became an yeah. alcoholic. Chronic. Yeah, I, wanna... I mean chronic, a different yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. She was functioning, that's for sure. Right, because you followed that pattern. The only question I had for you, and I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought, it was just that you didn't. I didn't catch what happened to your father. Well, here, <laughs> this could be a long interview. Here's another thing, okay? Okay. I'm 77 now. Right. Three years ago, at the age of 74, like... I don't know, 20, 35 years after my mother passed away and 38 years after my father passed away, okay. I discovered that I was not that man's son. Oh, my God. That the, the man who I believed right up to the age of 74 raised me, who was the sweetest, most beautiful, oh kindest, gosh, lovely guy, was, 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 was not my biological father. Now, here's the thing. This is the interesting thing. As soon as... First, I got sober. Then I started working on my stuff, right? right. Releasing stuff. Yeah. It was after I had done the Hoffman process where I came into this beautiful place of feeling at peace, inner peace with my mother, which I'd never felt before. It was just sublime, really was beautiful, really healthy place. That I started to get just a feeling of asking, hey, was that guy my biological, my real father? My two siblings, both older than me, right. looked nothing like me. Okay. That was one thing. Okay. We had di totally different lives. Um, and I started to get a feeling, right? Just a feeling. Uh, and the feeling got stronger and stronger. And then I read a book by John Bradshaw. You, you may have heard of it. was a great writer in the field of, um, of addiction and what have you, family stuff. Right. And he wrote a book called Fa Family Secrets. And he explained that in many families where there's a secret that's not brought to the surface and that anybody is made to be aware of the truth, right. what happens is that uh, normally an older sibling is a party to the secret because the parent, one or other, has shared the secret in, in, inappropriately with that elder sibling, maybe when they're drunk or drugged or whatever, and they carry the secret right through and they have tremendous rage in them and tremendous fear because they're carrying the secret they feel guilt so when i read this book and i thought well i wonder you know my sister now she's six years older if she was six years older she may may have seen different she may know she may know something yeah, yeah. So, so i went to her yeah i went to her and i asked her and she hit the roof she exploded oh my god like so that to me was would. the first red flag yeah, that was the first red flag, yeah. and she didn't speak to me for about eighteen months. Oh my so God. I decided, okay, I'll try my brother. So I flew out to Australia, where my brother was born, and where he went to live in his later years. Okay, 
And I spoke to him about it. We'd never been close. You see, here I was in this family. How much older see... was he? Well, uh, wait a minute. How much older was he than you? He, uh, Peter Peter was two years older than me. Pamela, okay. my sister, was six, six years okay. older. Okay. Anyway, I sat down with him. We'd never been close. And I used to look at family. I used to look at brothers and sisters, you know, and I think, how does that work? Why? How, how come they're feeling these feet? I don't have that, you know. So anyway, it's fun. Uh, so I sat down with Peter and, I, and he didn't explode at all. He said, Wow, I've never thought about that. He said, he said, do you remember what mum used to say whenever she was drunk and introducing herself to somebody new? I said, no, I'd forgotten. He said, she used to say, my name is Joan Campbell and I've got three children, all born in different countries, which we were. And then she'd say, but all from the same father. Well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, that that's a heck of a statement and it was only when peter reflected it back to me first of all i remembered it and yeah. then i thought well, what a strange thing to say yeah. what a weird thing to say yeah. so that made me think you see right the second thing was when i uh was at high school all my school certificates were in the name of john leslie alan alistair campbell that's a long Christian, John. Four Christian names. Well, when I came to join the Merchant Marine, I had to get a passport for the first time. That meant getting a birth certificate. That was a little difficult job because I was born in India. We had to send off the Indian High Commission, blah, 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 blah. When the birth certificate arrived, now I was now 17, right? Okay. Opened it up and it said, surname Campbell, Christian names, John Leslie. So, of course, I went straight to my mother she was the one I always you know, conversed with. I said, hey, mum, what's all this? Why are my names not there? Why are those other names not Oh, she said, don't worry about that. There's just some guy made me promise to name you after him. So, of course, I went, oh, yeah, I swallowed that one. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I swallowed that. It was only, I guess it was only when I got with Annie, who, by the way, is a, is a PhD in, in genetic, um, developmental genetics, so she's scientifically based, and and she said, that's strange. She said, maybe maybe this was your real biological father. Right. And it was Annie that got me on the road to finding out. She said, you need to do a Y chromosome test because it's only a Y chromosome test, which is the male, only the male has. Okay. So I asked Peter, I asked Peter, would you be prepared to do this with me? And he said, yeah, oh, yeah, no problem. So he had no problem. And then he died. Oh, God. Are you serious? Then he died. Yeah, before yeah, the yeah, test, before the test, yeah. before the before test, before the test, before the test. So that meant, so that meant that the only person I could do this with to get a would be his son. No, 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 you can't do it with a female. Oh, can't do it with a female. Okay, okay, okay. Have to do it with the male. Okay. So Peter, Peter had a son called Andrew, who I had a great relationship with, my nephew, you know, oh, and he was living in Thailand. So Annie and I get on a flight. We fly to Thailand. This is crazy. And we tell Andrew the story, and he was fantastic. I said, Andrew, I wanted to do it with your dad, but oh. dad passed away, you know. Would you be prepared? He, oh, he said, no problem at all. Within 10 minutes, he's on his mobile phone. He's located some American, um, whatever he did. Anyway, he ran a clinic in Bangkok for all the paternity suits that used to go on with the girls there, you know. Oh, my God. And he checked out. He said, can you do a white chromosome? Oh, yeah, no problem. So the yeah. three of us, me, Annie, and Andrew, we rock up at his clinic. He puts a swab into my mouth, a swab into Andrew's mouth. He, put, he said, listen, in two weeks, I'll send you an email. We then, in, this is it. also interesting, 
we then went on, Annie and I went on to my birthplace in India, which I'd never, ever returned to. First time back. Wow. And I wanted to introduce it to Annie anyway. Within an hour of arriving in Cody Canal, where I was born, we located the hospital where I was born, still running as a maternity hospital. Oh, my gosh. And... Suddenly, an uh, ambulance driver came and said, what, what can I do for you? And I showed him. We took my birth slip with, with us. He said, look, I was born in this hospital. He showed us the room I was delivered in, and then he pulled out, you can't believe this, he pulled out the original birth register, the original handwritten birth register from 74 years before, you know? What and there was my name. There's my name. There was my weight, my head, all this kind of stuff, and my mother's name. And the big thing it gave me, which I couldn't get from my sister or my brother, they didn't know, was the address. And within one hour, I was walking around the grounds of the house where I spent my infant years. It was an incredible experience. But what we about your father's to... name? It wasn't on the birth certificate? Oh, yeah. But my father's name, it was listed as Percy Robert Cameron, the man who raised me. Okay. He, you know, it was still listed as him. Okay. Still okay. listed, yeah. Okay. So anyway, I went, went back to the hotel, and within five, six days, uh, I had an email from this uh, this guy, whatever, I don't know what his title would be, and he said, I'm sorry to inform you that your intuition was correct. There is no way that this man's grandfather could be your father. And, and people ask me, oh, my God, what did you feel in that moment? And I can honestly tell you, all I felt was this absolute deep, deep, deep love. Um. First of all, because he gave me life, and I've had one heck of a life, and I'm still having it. <laughs> and secondly, I felt this deep, deep love for the man who raised me, who treated me so well, you know. And when I look back, I, there was another sign. He actually used to, I can still remember, I call him my dad, I call him dad. I, say, I always remember him saying to Peter, my elder you know, now I realize half sibling, but yeah. his full son, obviously, yeah. Yeah. he was dark like him. You know, he was a double. He used to say things like, "Why can't you be like your younger brother and be more that?" And I used to cringe. I didn't want to, you know, be looked upon as that. And later on, I found out he used to call me his golden child because I'm all blonde, as you can see. You can see me yeah. now. My mother yeah. was all blonde and all this. He was dark, swarthy, dark hair, like my brother, like my sister. And um, that's what I felt. I felt this enormous love. However, I, I want to say that I would never, I don't think I'd ever have felt that if I hadn't done the inner work that I'd done. Right. You know, which which included years, literally years of sobbing and beating up on pillows and all sorts. Anyway, so that was the story. So then I had to look and see the patterns in my life, you know, and uh, they were there. You see, one of the things that, my mother did was she used to take me shoplifting. Oh gosh, seriously. Yeah, yeah. When she was drunk, she'd take me to the to the lanes in Brighton. And I would she would go into the shop, yabba, yabba, yabba with the shopkeeper. And my job was to load stuff into the big great green bag we had. Oh. Now, when we got onto the sidewalk, as you call it in America, onto the yeah. pavement, as we call yeah. it, yes. what do you think I got? I got love. I was showered with love. Oh, because oh, you did what she wanted you to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is why I talk about programs as well, you see, right, programs. Right, so right. in that moment, I, I was nine years of age, right? Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I made an association. I wanted her love. I made an association that when I did these criminal things, I got love. 
You got laughed. What about your other siblings? Did they do these kind of things too? Or just no, 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 no. I was a, what they call a chosen one in a dysfunctional family. My mother hijacked was... me to be. Okay, she didn't I'm... have a relationship with Percy, you see. Oh, she had a relationship with you instead. Separate beds, bedrooms. I never, I never saw my mother and father in a sharing a bed together. Never married a, ne a bedroom together. Never not mentioning a bed. Okay. So, uh, okay. So you know, uh, then okay. then I started doing all this study, and I saw it was so true because in my business life, I was very successful in business, mm -hmm. and I was always you know strong minded. I had a strong mind. Yet every time my business partner, and I'm not trying to absolve myself, I'm just telling you as it was. Right. Every time he came up with this crooked idea, we were operating in Nigeria where there's a lot of fraud and all the rest of it. Yeah. As there is in other countries, there's nothing. Yeah. Anyway, every time he came up with the idea, I, I remember I would feel this whoosh of excitement. Like you were excited like, to do it. Yeah, and I didn't realize what was happening in that moment. I was being triggered back oh. to a time where I had not expressed all these feelings. So oh. therefore, I was I was repeating it. Right, right. That's why I say in the book also, wherever I go, whoever I see, I see mummy and daddy, and they see me. It's a wonderful thing I learned. So I suddenly started, in, this is in therapy, I suddenly uncovered all this stuff because I did this, and it's like I had no mental defense. Mm -hmm. Well, we're so, programmed. John, you know what? And I talk about this on the show a lot. And I think it's good that you talk about it in the book because it's really breaking the cycle. I just want to say this yeah. too, because my mom was, I can relate because my mom was a narcissist. My dad was wonderful, but he was always at work. And my mom was a narcissist and we just butted heads and it was awful. But like you said, she taught me more than anybody because I didn't want to be like her. So see, it's really interesting how we're put into these situations. I believe we choose our families so that we Absolutely. learn. Yeah. So we learn these lessons and it's really interesting, but it's like, we don't really get it until we're older for some reason in my, no. I don't know. You know what I mean? Is that how you feel? Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's what happened. Like your mom was actually your greatest teacher. Absolutely. And I was coming on to say that I wanted to make it really clear to your listeners, uh, your viewers, if this is audio, but a uh, video. Yeah. This is not about blaming. Uh, no, I had right. to go, I had to go through that. And I now realize because I I made a choice to, to get on a spiritual way of understanding life. And and I realized absolutely. A, I chose her. I chose the whole situation. I know. The lessons to be lessons to learn and the lesson is always the love of inside us you know i spent my whole time you know looking for love in all the wrong places it was like i was riding a horse on the back on the facing the wrong way you know? right and until i started to go within but you see what i put a great importance on is before i started to get into that deep love i realized i had to clear the crap you know it was like for me if I got into these higher spiritual concepts, uh, it was like squeezing the, the cream on top of the garbage. You know, I had to clear right. the garbage up. Right. It's right. very easy because you you know yourselves there. Some of these spiritual concepts are very, very um, enticing. They're very, you know, lurid. they're very lovely. They feel very high. But mm -hmm. if you don't create uh, clear those lower chakra issues. So I had to do that. 
And then I really had this deep love for my mother and my father. And the thing was equally. Because until that time, I kept projecting the disequalness out into the world. So yeah. I had real, real problem with, with women, with related to women. I loved them. I sure loved them. Yeah. But, but, you know, I was, I'll tell you what, I was frightened of them. Because women were my my first my first programmed programmed experience of a, a woman was my frightening mother. She was frightening. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell you a little story. When I was first in treatment, we used to sit around in a circle, you know. Yeah. And then the counselor would come in, and it might be whoever. As soon as I saw it was one of the female counselors, I'd want to run out the room. I was in fear because I had no booze anymore to to numb my my fear. Right. Or you feel fun. it was your feelings. You didn't want to feel those yeah. feelings. I didn't want to feel them. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I don't spend now talking too much about this because I've moved on to another place. But you know what? What's well, good I to talk about it? Love. Yeah, yeah. But I feel oh, the yeah. deepest love for that woman. And and she had a heck of a life. And that's what was wonderful about the Hoffman process, because it gets you to actually walk in the moccasins of your parents and really experience what they experienced. And you know, well, they had tough life. Can I ask a quick question? And I was reading through sure. the book. Now, is the constellation work, is that the same as what you're talking about, the Hoffman process, when you had the facilitator come in? Can you tell that? Because that's, is that what you're talking about here, where they play? Well, it's, it's yeah, it, it, it's similar. It's the top, the Hoffman, the Hoffman is a seven day deal and it goes right through. You really, what you're doing is you're growing up emotionally. You're going right, you're coming from, you have a rebirth. And you go through all the stages, toddler stage, wherever, then, you know, adolescent stage, and then you eventually become a fully, you leave the place as a fully, it's, it's just wonderful. But the the family generation, uh, the family constellation work is fantastic. Right. Yeah. In as much that it deals with multi-generational. I tell the story about when I was doing my training as a, a, a therapist counselor, we had to do a thing called a genogram, which is like, writing a family tree mm -hmm. and putting all the people in the family tree as far back as we can remember and down if we've got kids and grandkids. And instead of just putting the dates of birth and in, if they passed away, the dates of death, you had to write a little bio about them. Oh, you know, oh this, one, this one had financial crash. This one had multiple affairs. This okay. one, you know, business, this one, sickness. And when I saw the patterns repeated down the family, I said, oh, my God, this is blows my mind. Could blow oh, my you mind. could see it. You could see the pattern. Yeah, of course. When you put it on paper, you can't miss it. You know, I said, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, I've since found out, obviously, my biological father, yeah. my biological father was having an affair with a married woman. Right. And I've since found out that my grandfather had an affair with a married woman on a boat, on a ship, which is where I believe my mother met my biological father. Oh, my it's, God. It's wild. It's wild. So anyway, the, to answer your question, the, the generational, the, the family of constellation work is phenomenal to unpick these things which are unknown to the conscious mind. Yeah, explain to the audience. This was really interesting, like what you okay. did. Okay, I was having trouble at the time uh not, not conflict but no i couldn't get close to my eldest son who had joined the military right now, that's interesting right. he is the kindest softest sweetest guy and he joined the military right right not only did he join the military but he had this kind of obsession he wanted to go to war 
Yeah. So he, he went to Ireland, he went to Afghanistan, he went yeah. to uh, Bosnia, he went to all these places. He, he seemed to want to get to war. And then it wasn't tough enough. So then he joins the Royal Marine Commanders, which is the real, it's like your, you know, the SAS is unbelievably tough, very tough. Okay, okay. Anyway, once I learned about this family constellation work, I thought, I'm going to see if I can do this. So I went, I found a course, and it's only a short, it's not like seven days, it's a weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. And you take your particular issue to the and she was amazing because she picked up stuff which she was explained to her. She was so intuitive. And I said, okay. Look, I'd like okay. to have a closer relationship with my son, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Anyway, she said, Look, judging by your age, because you have to pick part of the group. You've never met these people before. It's it's wild. You had to pick somebody to represent your mother, somebody right. to represent your father, somebody to represent you. Somebody to represent the sibling. Somebody to represent my son. All these representatives, they're, they're all just picked from the group. And then you, they, she tells a little bit of the story. And then they they, sit, they just walk around the room and they intuitively go and stand. So it ends up with the people representing my mother and father standing together. And then the facility said, look at it, your age. Your father must, be, must have been in the war. Uh, so pick somebody... That, and I said, well, he wasn't actually, because this is when I thought the guy who raised me was my father. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah, matter. yeah. He, said he was disabled from birth, so he was unable to fight in the military. So when the Japanese, they were living in Penang in Malaya, the Japanese invaded and all his male friends all had to go off and fight the war. Oh, so wow. my, my, my father as such was left as the only, you know, British guy, or, you oh, know, European God. guy, whatever. Yeah. Looking after all these women and children. Crazy. And you can imagine the shame and the, the guilt that he felt, the inability. So anyway, yeah. this was all set up. And then the woman, once she realized the story, she said, I want somebody, choose somebody to represent the country of Malaya. And that person stood behind the two people representing my parents. And then they just left. And they left to go into feelings. And then... The person who was representing all of my father's friends suddenly started to move away from them, and he kept moving out, moving out, and he he walked out the room. He left the drawer. Right. At that point, the man representing my father started to sob. He started to sob, and then my mother, the person representing my mother, started to cry, and then the one there started to cry. I was in tears. The whole lot. Were, were releasing these emotions which had never been expressed. Now, here's the thing. It's really... I did this. I did this. The weekend ended. I went back, never spoke to my son about what I've been doing. Nothing. Don't need to. Right. Six months, I think it was roughly six months later, he quit the military. He quit the military. So he was carrying that unfulfilled desire of right. his step-grandfather as we now know but he thought well the emotion the emotion the emotion, oh. the emotion. Yes. that's right it doesn't yes. matter about things yeah. he he was picking that up you see and wanted to act it out and once we had acted it out for him that he was didn't it. have to yeah and he's never been back no thank you for telling that story because You're let welcome. me tell you something that says a lot it says so much 
it shows how important our emotions are. And if we don't release them, how they get stuck in our body and how that causes disease. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that was that was that was some of the work I did. I did loads of other work. I did four year rebirthing, and and it, you know, I had to let go of all these fears. I was just riddled with fear, and after one fear after another after another, and I and the thing that really hit home to me was this concept that when you ask, you'll always receive, because I had understood that by this time so i started to tune in like, i want to know something bang now let me see let me put my radar on where's that answer coming because it'll always come. like how in the book i described how i found the hoffman process i'd never heard of the hoffman process well how'd you find but, it well what happened i was at a i was at an aa meeting uh, a con congress and at the end of it one of the women asked me to dance and i lied i said oh no sorry i don't feel very well which is a <laughs> lie so i slunk off to bed and then lying on my bed, and I felt the shame and the guilt at lying. And I looked up at the ceiling and I said, why can't I get on a dance floor without alcohol in me? The next day, the answer came. I was at college. By this time, I'd quit all my illegal businesses in the oil business. And I'd studying for a diploma in therapeutic counseling. So wow. I was at college, and this guy comes waving a book at me saying, hey, John, you got to read this book. It's wonderful. And it was called Healing the Child Within by Charles Whitfield. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had Nancy, at that time, I had never even come across the term inner child. I hadn't reached that level of crazy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I had what I call then my zing. My zing went off. I have it, I call it my zing, is when I get that big, big yeah. undeniable feeling. So like, I went and bought the book. Uh -huh. I read it cover to cover. And I said, that's the answer to my question. Yeah. I've got one of those inside me. Yeah. So then the next question I asked was, okay, I accept that's why I can't get on a dance floor. I've got shame around my body. I've got you know self-consciousness, all that. You know. And I said, I want the best inner child healing workshop there is on the planet. A week later, I'm flicking through a magazine. On the right-hand page, there's a big advert saying, the Hoffman Quadrinity Process, as it used to be called. It's now just the Hoffman. And then there was a quote by John Bradshaw, who said, this is the finest inner child healing course of its kind. John Bradshaw, author of Healing the Shame That Binds You. Now, I was reading his book called Healing the Chain That Binds You at the time. So that was side number one. Side number two, I looked down, head office in a place called Arundel in, in East Sussex, on the, on the Sussex coast, on the East Coast. Arundel is where I used to, as a 12-year-old, jump on the train from my home and go and sit in the grounds of Arundel Castle, the beautiful castle. Oh, wow. That's where I used to go to escape from my mother. To get away. And I used to, and I, that was a, just a sanctuary for me. Yeah. So I saw that. I said, that's that's the sign. That's the sign. Pick the phone Three. Up. You had three signs. <laughs> yeah. And I, I said three. to Tim Lawrence, who, who ran the Hoffman, I said, when's your next course? And he went, well, next Friday. I said, can you take my credit card? And he went, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. He said, he said, uh, what do you know about this course? I said, nothing. He said, what do you mean? You're, who do you know that's done it? I said, I don't. don't know anyone do it. I just know I've got to do it. And he's told me since because he's now a very dear friend of mine. And uh, he said he couldn't believe it. So I signed up. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anyone had done it. I hadn't read about it. I just knew it was for me. And the moment I got in there, I realized I was being guided. Yeah. I was being guided. And here's a beautiful story. I'm, I do 
Yeah, I won't apologize because it's a great story for you. Oh, you're telling great <laughs> stories because you know why, John? Because this is real, and we all, yeah, I, like like you. I, I'll just say this very quickly. I always I used to make fun of people when they talked about their inner child until I realized, oh God, that was like really silly. Yeah. And then I had to work on my own. So you know, we all have to do it. We all have to come to absolutely at our own time when we're ready. That's, that's, you know, absolutely when we're ready. Yeah. And I have a yeah. saying: if you don't, if you don't work it on, work it out, you'll pass it on. Yeah. And so, yeah, you got to work it on because you're, you're, and this is so cool. And, and I'm so glad we're talking about this because when you heal mm -hmm. yourself, you are healing the energy yeah. of all the past Absolutely. generations, Absolutely. all the generations Absolutely. to come. Yeah. Absolutely. So God bless. So, so this is the story I wanted to tell for the okay. purpose of, okay. of letting all, all your listeners, and your viewers know okay. it's never too late. Right. It doesn't matter how long your parents, and this is why I'll come back to Harry and Megan, you see, because they both got massive issues with their parents, you know, one right. parent. Yeah, all oh, right, parent. yes, yes. It's yes. the same one, it's father, father. Anyway, I did the course, the Hoffman process. I come out totally with this deep love and, you know, compassion for my mother and my father, just the same. So I said, I've got to go to the cemetery where they were, cremated we because i remember that we had an entry put in there for dad okay you know but we didn't do it for mother so i went to the cemetery and i said listen i want to arrange for the same memorial book to contain this you know, memory for my mother as for my father they did it then i went and bought a little plot of land i had a a, a stone you know a, a memorial stone made with a brass plaque with both their names on and blah 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 very nice and then i I contacted my brother and sister. I said, look, I've done this. I'm, I want to do a little service. I said, you're welcome to come along. I'm not looking for a contribution. I just want you to know you're welcome. And they both did, did, you know, they said, okay. I said, that's fine, no problem. But I had a little service on my own, just honoring them. A week later, I get a telephone call from the wife of one of my friends who I used to do business with in Nigeria, and I knew, I knew that she had got into doing psychic work. You know, she didn't do it professionally, but she was very gifted. She used to really connect. So I knew about that. But she knew nothing. A, she knew nothing about my childhood. She knew nothing. I hadn't spoken to these people for a number of years because we'd long left Nigeria by this time. Right. She calls me up. She said, John, it's a long time since we've spoken. She said, but I, I had to call you because, you know, I had this gift. And, and I said, yeah, yeah. She said, well, I've got this woman. She will not leave me alone. I can't sleep at night. Uh, she keeps banging on to me saying, I've got to give you a message. I've got to give you a message. And I said, oh, okay. And I knew enough by, about psychics by then that the, the spirit will will come to them in, in, in a form which the recipient would recognize. So right. I said to her, I said, okay, how does she present herself? She said, well, she's always got a glass of whiskey in one hand and a <laughs> cigarette in another, dressed in a blue dressing gown covered in burns. And I said, oh, that's my mum, without doubt. That's mum, you know. <laughs> And I said, I mean, because that's all. Mum was never out of this dressing gown. I mean, it was covered in burns. Like she said. It was amazing. It was a complete accurate reset. And I said, okay, what did she say? She said she wants to thank you from the bottom of her heart for what you've just done. And I burst into tears. So the reason I tell the story is for anybody that still maybe has, you know, issues with a departed parent, it's never too late. It's never too late. That's because beautiful. I did that work and my whole life has changed, Nancy. Oh. I don't do conflict anymore. Yeah. I don't get into conflict. I live oh, a, a life of joy and freedom. I have a, a wife. And 
And here's the other thing about this work on the forgiveness side. When my ex, my former wife and I divorced, I didn't leave for anybody else. I got to the stage of knowing this was just not a workable relationship. Mm-hmm. We had five beautiful children together. and uh, But unfortunately, it was very toxic. You know, it was just, it, yeah. she, she found it difficult. That's very common. And for about seven years, we, we had just no communication. It was really, really tough. That's hard anyway. when you have kids. And you talk about that in yeah. the book. I want to mention that you talk about that. And one other thing I want to say really quickly is that um, you say, you do a chapter, why the couple has to come before the children in the first marriage as well as in a second marriage. And I just want to commend you for saying that. because. Thank you. Yeah, because uh, I want to get that in because we only have a certain amount of time. But um, really quickly, I just want to, you guys, this is a cool book. He's got a lot of good information in here. That hit home with me because I had married again and the children were awful on the other side. And so it really, we had to stick together like glue because children will try to separate the parents, especially a new wife or a new husband. And I just thought that was really cool. I wanted to read this, or you can read it if you'd like. On page 63 of your book, you have the power of love. Yeah, just let me just you want to read that, John, or do you want me yeah. to read it? Oh, well, how, how about you reading it? How about you reading it? This is a part by Emmett Fox, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I want it. Yeah, he's an Irish spiritual teacher, 1886 to 1951. You put it in the book and it just caught my eye and I thought it was really cool. So it says there is no difficulty that enough love will not conquer. No disease that enough love cannot heal. No door that enough love will not open. No gulf that enough love will not bridge. No wall that enough love will not throw down. No sin that enough love will not redeem. It makes no difference how deeply seated may be the trouble, how hopeless the outlook, how great the mistake. A sufficient realization of love will dissolve it all. If only you could love enough, you would be the happiest and most powerful being in the world. Yes. That beautiful. It is really beautiful. That's why you I read like that beautifully, Nancy. You read that beautifully, yeah. And I do hope I haven't taken up too much of the. the time oh with, no, um, gosh, you guys! You, you have such a beautiful reading voice. I'd like to also. Uh, I'll finish the story about, about my former wife. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, my former wife and her partner spent ten days with Annie and I here. Oh, get out! Seriously? Having a wonderful time. Having a wonderful time. That's what the power of forgiveness does. It's the forgiveness that we've both done since then. So right at the end of the book, you'll find a prayer. Yes. Which Annie and I say to each other every yes, single Yes, I have day. it marked love, right here. Yeah. I'd love you to read that to your listeners if you wouldn't mind. And it's okay. great. So I say, I say this to Annie, and Annie says it to me every okay. single morning. Every single day you say this. It's a prayer for relationships, you guys. So sit back and relax. He says, beloved mother, father, God, I thank you for the gift that your partner is in my life. I know that you have sent me this person to help me find, know, heal, and forgive myself. I give to you my relationship with my partner, and I thank you for taking us both and holding us 
in your loving arms that together we may remember all that is truthful and learn to forget all that is false. I give to you my mistaken belief that I am separate from you, from your partner or from anyone that I give to you, my desire to remember that I am one with you, with and you say the person's name, and with everyone. I thank you for your courage and your strength, which bursts forth from within me, helping me to truly commit to love, to commit to union, to commit to peace, and to commit to joy in this and in every relationship. For it is my will and yours that I be free, that I be happy, and that I be at peace. Thank you. Amen. That was beautifully written. Lovely, thank you. Thanks for sharing and, uh, that, guys. This when is I realize and help other people realize. Yeah, down. and uh, you know when I realize that our natural state, not just mine, yours, everybody's natural state is joy. It's joy. Yeah. When I realize that, absolutely, the only person responsible for the joy is me. It ain't my partner, my wife, my kids, my parents, my teacher, my guru. It's not. It's me. I am responsible. There's a lovely line in the course that says, I am responsible for what I see. I choose the emotions which I experience. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. Now, that is a heavy, heavy piece of yeah. work to do. Well, yeah. But you see, people. I say to people, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you're going to ask. You say, oh, can I, can I have some, you know, that... It's where you put your focus. Right, right. Your Wherever energy you focus, goes. Right, your energy goes where the focus goes. Well, I want you to finish up um, before we get out of here with uh, with Harry and Megan. Well, the thing is, you see, I always say, Matthew, when you find the pot of gold, like I found the pot of gold, I can't have one. I want to share it with everybody, with everybody who I see, when they lean forward. And, and people do. I don't give advice when it's not asked for, but... I look and I think, wow, it doesn't matter whether you love them or you don't love them or your feelings or this or that or whatever, they hurt people. Yeah. They're not bad people. There are no bad. Hurt people hurt people, either themselves or others, but usually both. Yeah. And when I saw what was happening, how he was falling out with his father, Megan was falling out with her father, she's made her mother the goddess, her father the dragon, the opposite to what I'd done, Harry's done, made his mother the the, the goddess, yeah. exactly the same as what uh, Megan's done. He's made, you know, the partners. Yeah. They've got to do the forgiveness. Yeah, by all means, leave the family. That's fine. You know, do what I you got to do. That. Yeah. Well, we're not and taught. I've got to do that. Yeah, I'll just say this really quickly. Thank you so much for writing this because, you know, it. I didn't realize until I started doing this work, um, like you, several years ago, really, that you had to go within. And it's something that we don't talk about in our society, but it's something we need to teach kids when they're young. It's something that we need to talk about the programming um, that we get. And there's no blame or <laughs> nothing like that. It's just that. No, no, no. Right. This stuff is super important. And it, and it really, you know, goes deep when you're talking about healing your relatives and that kind of thing, you know? And especially in the spiritual realm, spiritual field, you know, a lot of a lot of people, you know, they can say, "Oh, you don't have to look at that, that because that's gone and the past is gone. It can touch you not." That's a line from the court, which I totally agree. However, it's a step ladder. 
you can't get from the bottom of the step ladder to that stage. Right. I don't believe you have to go through the steps properly. So it's not about blaming at all. It's about freedom. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the greatest compliment ever paid to me, I think, anyway, was my former wife. Bless her. She, I've got a great deal of love for her. She said to me one day, she said, you know, the trouble with you is you love everyone. And I Aww. said, you know what? You're right. You're right. But I said, I don't see it as a problem. <laughs> well, it's not. And that's exactly how, that's where we're trying to get. That's that's where, you know, that's what we're heading for. That's what we're striving for, to love everybody and to not judge and to be yeah. to be wonderful. Yeah. All right, it doesn't guys. mean you have to hang out with everybody. It has got nothing to do with that. No, it's just, yeah, just be kind. Just be kind. You know, John, yeah. it's been a pleasure. So it's mir Miracle Relationships, A Path to Freedom and Joy, and that's what it is. So you can get it on Amazon, you can get it in Barnes & Noble and what have you. And I really appreciate the time. It's been a real joy working with you Thank here, you. Nancy, and hanging out with you. And Thank uh, you. We may meet again, hopefully. I hope so. I hope so. All right, you guys, just so you know, I am going to be in LA, uh, February 9th through the 12th. I'm going to be teaching spiritual law. I'll be teaching people how to communicate with their guardian angels. So it'll be angel communication. And then I'm going to be in Florida. You guys, I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Boca Deerfield uh, Beach. I'm going to be at the New Life Expo 2024 in March. And I'm going to be speaking there and I'll have a little table. I'll be doing some angel readings for anybody who wants to come visit me in Florida. So that's what I've got going on. Pick up my book, you guys. Wake up. The universe is speaking to you. If you want to learn about spiritual law, just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. There is a new message. I want to say this really quickly and I don't want to take up too much time, guys, but I channeled a really cool message from Archangel Gabriel. It's really important that you read it. It talks about speaking up and standing up for us and connecting. So I want you guys to check that out. All right, everybody have a terrific week. John, God bless. Everyone take care and we'll see you next time. Take care. God bless you. Bye-bye.